The Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. All right, we continue right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson with you. Josh Briscoe, Dylan Michaels heading up until 2 o'clock. We've got you three more hours. Ryan Tracy, we'll talk with him coming up at noon. Sports or Leisure today presented by Johnny's Tavern. Let's talk with our man from uh, KC Sports Network, kcsn.substack.com, and the KC Laboratory Podcast. It is Craig Stout joining us here in the zone on this Thursday. Craig, what's up, my man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing excellent. I am uh, enjoying the Combine Week coverage so far. The Chiefs have left us with uh, so much news out of the blue here in the past 24 hours. So it's been fun to kind of follow along and uh, kind of uh, enjoy the offseason again. Is this your element more than the uh, week-to-week, like following and and breaking down what's going on in games and things? like? Is is your element more the offseason, the draft, or is it that, you know, the grind of week-by-week, here's what happened in this game and what can happen moving forward? I I will say, uh, during the season, especially towards the end, not necessarily the postseason, I'm obviously in the moment there and enjoying all of that, but towards the end of the regular season, I pine for like this time of the year. I love the draft. I love free agency. I love the team and roster construction, you know, elements of everything that happens there. But man, Jason, when, when we get into July, I am begging for football again. So I'm just kind of end right. back and forth there. You are right about that. I, I, I love this time of year. Absolutely love it. Um, I, I mean, I, I love, you know, 24-7 uh, football and, and NFL football. So uh, it, it, it just with me, I'm, I love the grind of the regular season, and then the season's over, and now we get into building and constructing a team, and then you get into training camp and who's going to start and how you're going to do it and all of those things. I love all of that stuff. And so we are now in the mix of this uh, free agency, and we've got a franchise tag that is reportedly going to be placed on Legereus Sneed while also giving Legereus need permission to go seek out a trade. Um, I want to get into your piece at KC Sports Network because it's really fascinating, but I want to ask first and foremost your reaction to the tag and then the report of we're going to place a tag on you. You are free to go seek out a trade. Yeah, there for a little bit. You know, the the idea, it was kind of floated, hey, the Chiefs are going to use the tag on Legereus need. I've been saying this kind of all along with how the Chris Jones stuff has gone on. But it didn't make a ton of sense for him to be on the tag. I thought that it was either going to be a long-term deal for Chris Jones or he was going to walk in free agency. And so I have kind of been mentally prepared for Jerry's need to catch the tag for a little while here, you know, in the hopes that they could work out a long-term deal. The part that really caught me off guard was the fact that everybody's reporting, yes, he's He's been, you know, given permission to seek a trade. Now all of a sudden, that's reconfigured my entire, you know, kind of how I build this defense, where I want to, you know, prioritize assets within this defense. And frankly, I would be a little sad to see what Jerry Sneed go. I, I really love what he does with this defense, the kind of exotic coverages that they that they're allowed to run with him on there, the blitz packages that they can run both with him as a blitzer and then with him on the back end as a man-to-man coverage guy that can eliminate one-to-one, you know, one-on-one defenders. And I mean, it's one of those that I just look at 
from a bigger picture. And I know that there's a plan, and we'll see the plan from the Chiefs eventually. But I was, frankly, a little bit shocked that it came out this soon. You know, hey, you can go ahead and seek a trade. You can go out and find a better deal if you want to, and we will come back and we will circle back as an organization because I was really hoping he was here. I was really hoping he was a foundational piece of this defense, and it seems like the two sides are just pretty far apart. I I like that they – told him to go seek out a trade. And and the reason I like it is not that I don't want LeJarrius Sneed on the team. Um, to me, it's the Chiefs making sure they have all the information. I'll, I'll compare it to analytics. You know, you got the analytics that are there that gives you the information and then make a decision. Him going out and finding a trade partner is information doesn't mean you have to then agree to that trade. It means that, okay, these are the parameters we can work within. They told Tyreek Hill to go mm-hmm. seek a trade partner. And he did. They found a couple mm-hmm. of different trade partners. They still tried to sign him. It just didn't work. To me, I would rather, if you're going to place a franchise tag on somebody, if I'm the Chiefs, I would rather Legereus Need go find a trade partner. And also, if he can't get a trade partner, then it limits what he thinks his market is. But if he gets a trade partner, it's like, you know what, it makes more sense for us to move him and get this deal back. I'd rather that than Chris Ballard come out and say Michael Pittman's on the team no matter what next year. There's, there's not a scenario yeah. that Michael Pittman will not be on this team. Okay, well, I want $35 million. Okay, you're playing under the franchise tag. Well, man, I wonder mm-hmm. if we could have got a first-round draft pick from Michael Pittman. Would that have been smarter? I don't know. We'll never know. You know why? Because you didn't allow him to go and seek a trade. And if LeJerry Snee goes yeah. and finds a trade and somebody says, we'll give you a first-rounder for him, and he comes back to the Chiefs and says, I want $25 million per year, well, then you got to take the first rounder. But if it's a second rounder and we're looking at $20 million per year, well, then you examine everything, you weigh the options, and see what's best for your team. I love that they allowed him to do that because at least they would have the information and Legereus Sneed will have the information of what the market thinks of him without actually being allowed to go out on the open market and, and see what it costs uh, the Chiefs to be able to retain him. Yeah, from the Chiefs' perspective, it makes yeah. all the sense in the world. You need to gauge all this stuff, you know. And, and you know, we we can we're going to migrate into some of this conversation anyway. So I'll start here. Yeah. he's a 27 year old corner that has been on the injury report for most of the year. Has a lingering knee injury. Mm-hmm. Has no real awards, even though I fully believe that he should have been a first team All Pro this year. And that's not just my bias. I you know heard that from other national media writers that have agreed. You know, it's like they said it's preposterous that he wasn't in the conversation there. So he he is a guy that typically does not go for a lot of money in a big contract, a new contract, and, or for a serious compensation. And if he and his people are sitting there and telling the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, hey, we want $23, 24000000 million a year. We need to make this happen right now. It behooves the Chiefs to sit there and say, hey, you go out there. We are going to tag you. We, we know that we have some form of control you know, within with your contract here, and we can keep you for another year, but we're not going to try and hold you hostage. We are going to allow you to go out, much like Tyreek Hill, go out and find out what that offer is, because we are far apart on numbers. We don't necessarily agree with your value on this. See if you can facilitate something here, because we would like you here, and we would like you on a one-year deal on our terms. Brett Beach is very good. It, it, you know, the entire organization, I give credit to Brett Beach, but the entire organization is very good at having a line and not crossing it for players. They have done it time and time again. I am certain that they have a line for luxurious needs that they are not willing to cross. If this gap is so massive that it is not something that can be worked out in negotiations with some give and take between the two sides, then yeah, 
you should try and get what you can for that guy because if you franchise tag him, he walks the next year. We talk all the time about the compensatory formula. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, you know, they're okay with the compensatory formula, but they don't play that game. They don't intentionally target free agents that aren't going to count against that. They don't do the thing that some other teams do and try and maximize as many compensatory picks as possible. They would rather go out and spend money on a Jawan Taylor. They would rather go out and spend money on players, you know, that are going to help this team in free agency. And so when we talk about letting guys go and getting compensatory picks, the Chiefs are consistently spending in free agency and nullifying those, you know, major, those third round compensatory picks. So it's not one of those things that they just, that they focus on and that they try and play. So if you can get a pick for luxurious need. If you are seeing the future and that this is irreconcilable, you absolutely should try and facilitate a trade for him. Try and get things worked out. Do what's best for the player. Do what's best for the team. It just makes all the sense in the world for the Chiefs to go down this mm-hmm. path. I'm just my my personal defensive fan heart is a little yeah. bit hurt at the thought of him potentially leaving this. Totally team. understand. Craig Stout is our guest, uh, KC Sports Network, KC Laboratory Podcast. So at KCSN.substack.com, you got the piece that you put up this morning of the trade value of Legarius Need. And when I started reading it, I, first of all, great stuff um, because you did the work for me. And <laughs> looking back and some of those things, so I always appreciate that. But um, looking at this, and I'll just sort of uh, uh, get your thoughts on it. Um, do you believe, looking at the historical uh, precedent of cornerbacks that are traded for draft picks, can the Chiefs get a second round pick for Legarius Need, or is even that asking too much? Man, it, it is so tough because here's the thing, Jason. It's a detail in the article. There has not been a cornerback traded for a you know just a straight swap of a second round pick in the upcoming draft. The only cornerback that has had a second round pick attached to them in any way, shape, or form is Marcus Peters, and that was a future second. Which, when we talk about trading for draft picks, they typically devalue those around so it's closer than you know closer to a third round pick or something like that. So this is not one of those things. It would be breaking the mold for NFL teams to trade a second-round pick under the new CBA, you know, under the rookie wage scale CBA, which kind of reconfigured what draft pick value was. And so that's one of those that I look at it, and I feel like that's the sweet spot for Legereus Sneed. I, I really would, you know, if the Chiefs are trading him, give me a second-round pick for him. I know some people want a first. That's just not going to happen. There have only been two players since 2011 that have netted a first-round draft pick. One of them was prime Jarrell Revis, and the other one was prime Jalen Ramsey. I love LeJarius Sneed. He's not those two guys. So a second just kind of feels right, but it's not something that the NFL has done historically here and in a very strong cornerback class. Like, this is one of the strongest cornerback draft classes that we have seen in a long time. I know the wide receivers, the offensive linemen have garnered a lot of headlines. The cornerback class is really, really good. Who is going to offer a second-round pick, again, for a 27-year-old player with a lingering you know, health issues and been on the injury report all year long for a guy, you know, instead of trying to invest that in a good cornerback class? So I am, you know, after doing this research, after sitting down and looking at all this, because I also went, hey, second-round pick would be great. Mm-hmm. Doing all this research, I started looking at this, and I went, I don't think – that the Chiefs are going to get a second-round draft pick for LeJarrius Need. I'm happy to be wrong, but I don't think 
that it's going to happen. Yeah, it would be more realistic, like a second rounder, probably not the case, but could they get like a third rounder and a player, right? Like a fourth rounder yeah. and somebody that mm-hmm. can add depth to the team in some way, shape, or form. So you're getting a couple of uh, draft picks, essentially. You're getting the guy you would get in the trade, um, and then you're also getting, you know, Alex Smith brought back a third rounder and Kendall Fuller. You know, I mean, so yeah. uh, they, they got a couple of uh, players. And Kendall Fuller got him two good years and one hell of an interception yeah. to cap off the 2019 Super Bowl. So, you know, his last play in a Chiefs uniform was an interception of uh, of, uh, of, of Jimmy G. So that was fine. I, I would I would guess looking at this, that that's probably a more realistic scenario of um, of the Chiefs. If they get better than a third rounder, it might be a third rounder and a player. But um, I came away reading this less optimistic about Legereus Need getting a second rounder. Um, so then it, it turns to, well, if I can't get a second rounder for Legereus Need, how can I get something worked out for a couple of years? Because you mentioned the knee and and the age, and he's you know twenty seven years old, and it's a great point about Jalen Ramsey. He was twenty five years old when he was traded, so I mean, you know, twenty five years old, yeah. one of the best uh, cornerbacks, maybe the best cornerback with a couple of all pros to his name. Right. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's right. Sort of thing. Yeah, um, if, is it would it would it be worth it to pay him? You know, the twenty twenty one million dollars per year if that's what he's looking for, and if not, if they end up trading him. How ready in your mind is is uh, is is Joshua Williams and or, and or Jalen Watson to step into that role? I, I, that, that's the real question there, and I, I think that kind of also ties in with another bit of news that we kind of heard yesterday that Dave Merritt is yeah. interviewing for the San Francisco 49ers gig. If Dave Merritt's not here, that's one of those that I don't want to shake up that room too much. I have just ultimate faith in what Dave Merritt has done with this team, what he's done with this defensive back room. Like, I like Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson a lot. And we talk about all the time. We give, again, another one that we give, you know, Feach a lot of credit for is finding these day three corners that are just going to come in and they're going to play at a high level. The reason that they're able to do that is because a guy like Dave Merritt. So he's not here. I want another veteran in that room that's going to teach these guys how to do things. I want another guiding force. Legere Sneed all of a sudden becomes significantly more important to me. That, that, that weighs more. And then I don't think a third-round pick is worth it for me. So I would try and get a couple years deal done to try and keep him in the mix, try and keep some consistency in that room. He is you know, a guiding voice. Those, those guys talk about it all the time. They lean on him. He's the guy that talks. He's the guy that kind of you know, shapes the way that the room acts alongside Dave Merritt. If Merritt is not here anymore, Jerry Snead becomes more, more, more important. However, if this is ir- irreconcilable, if we're talking about, hey, Chiefs want to franchise tag him. Legere Sneed doesn't want a $20, $21 million deal. He wants 23 and this is really a one-year rental, and that's all we're really seeing here. You might see what other teams have done. You know, I, I highlight my article. A.J. Brouillet, uh, Darius Slay, you know, there, there's lots of guys that are around kind of the same performance level and some injury concerns and things like that that Legere Sneed currently has. Those guys went for like a mid-third with a sweetener. Maybe it's a player. Maybe it's a mm-hmm. pick or something like that. If you're doing that, if Dave Merritt's still in-house, I feel like you can reload these costs. I feel like there's, there's an actual you know kind of value here. He has third and a fifth for luxurious needs. I'm looking at that fifth-round draft pick, and I'm going, hey, Dave and Brett, I feel really confident that you're going to find a guy in that pick to help rebuild the room and help really kind of make sure that the consistency stays there. So 
I would do it knowing fully well that you've got two guys, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson, that can go out, can run the scheme. You've still got a, a blue chip player and Trent McDuffie there as well. But, you know, if you move on from Legereus Sneed, I think that also brings into the conversation. You just got to pay Chris Jones. Period. You, you can't be losing two blue chip players in the same offseason here. So it, it, it puts a whole set of dominoes into effect there, essentially, if you, if you move on from Legereus Sneed. But I think the Dave Merritt thing matters a little bit more than maybe we're externally, maybe than we're expecting here with uh, the way that that room is shaped. That's a great point to combine the two. Uh, Legereus need on the team or, or not on the team, and then what happens with Dave Merritt? Is he the 49ers defensive coordinator, or is he starting the process of getting defensive coordinator job interviews for a couple of years when his kids are out of high school and then he's ready to actually make that jump? Um, I'm hoping it's the latter. We'll see uh, if it's the if it's the former. Um, the, the timeline here is interesting because um, you know one of the things that we talked about yesterday on the air was the legal tampering period starts March 11th, which means March 11th at 11 o'clock Central Time is when the Katz brothers can legally start talking with other teams about Chris Jones and and how much money that may uh, that may take uh, to sign him. By franchise tagging Legereus Need, it means you've got essentially till the draft to figure out something with Legereus Need on a uh, on a draft pick. But the timeline is sped up, and 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 so Chris Jones and the Chiefs and those his representatives and whatever deal they decide you know is is going to be the best. To me, I know we have jokes about the Cats brothers and and how bad they were a year ago. Um, uh, I think this is more about Chris Jones. If Chris Jones is on a different team, it's because Chris Jones wanted more money. If Chris Jones is on the Chiefs, it meant mm-hmm. that he took the Chiefs' best offer, which uh, I'll ask you, I think we can agree, the Chiefs' best offer will not be the best offer Chris Jones could get on the open market. I fully agree with that sentiment. Yes, I, I, I fully do. I think that they have that sort of leverage with Chris. They can say, you're not going to get this experience anywhere else. You love it here. You love the players that you are playing with. You love your defensive coordinator. You love your defensive line coach, even though, you know, there's all that stuff during the middle of the season. Those guys get along great. They love each other. This is his defense right now. And if Legarius Sneed is gone, it's really his defense. And he's not going to get that elsewhere. And he wants rings. Like, I, I, I truly believe that last season – he held out thinking the Chiefs were going to come up to his number. They really believed that he was. And then the two sides didn't. They set out one week. And, you know, I, I like that Brett Beach said specifically, I talked to Chris. It wasn't, I talked to the Cass brothers. I talked to his representation. I talked to Chris. We came to an agreement. And we feel good about this season because of what we, the dialogue that we had after week one last year. So that's one of those things that I'm looking at. I think the ball is completely in Chris's court. I think that there's an understanding there. I know that Matt Derrick kind of alluded to the fact that um, the gap between, you know, what the Chiefs' number is and what Chris Jones' number is, it's significantly closer than what the gap is between the Chiefs' number and Ladarius Meade's number is. And I totally kind of see that playing out. That's why they're giving him the ability to kind of seek a trade. If Chris Jones wants to be in Kansas City, I think the Chiefs, are going to make a good offer. This is not a low-ball offer. I think it is a really good offer and good enough to where Chris and his representation are maybe you know having some internal dialogue to say, hey, listen, is it going to get better than this? 
Do we want to try and finish our career somewhere else? Do we want to win a few more rings? We have it. Like I, he's got a real legitimate shot at the hall of fame and he probably already has the stats to get in there. There's a lot of guys that don't have his stats that are in there right now. If you want to tell me that he plays in Kansas city for another three years at a decent level, not even a great level at a decent level, he's probably getting another ring and he's probably put Pat in his postseason staff. And now all of a sudden he is a first ballot hall of famer. He's not getting that elsewhere. He's not getting that with the highest bidder on the open market. So I fully believe that the Chiefs are a good situation from a monetary standpoint and the best situation on the field for Chris. And I think last year and the grass is greener and kind of seeking all that out before the season has helped shape that from both sides, not just Chris, but the Chiefs as well in the understanding that both sides have. I think that we see a deal done before free agency based on all the smoke and fire that's out there right now about Legereus Need, about Chris Jones, about, you know, what the Chiefs are going to do this offseason. I think he's a Chief, and I think it's a long-term deal. Craig Stout says Chris Jones will sign a long-term deal before free agency or he will quit his job. It's an odd thing. Oh, th- hang a- on, hang on. Wait, 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 Jason, wait, wait. I, I think heard. if Chris Jones doesn't sign a deal by before free agency, I will quit this job. If Chris Jones doesn't sign a deal before 2 o'clock today, Josh is <laughs> out. done! God, I, I really hope they announce Ooh. something at one thirty. I'll tell you what, I do too, honestly. I'll, I would happily come in tomorrow at least to talk about Chris Jones's deal. That would be easy for me. I'll take that trade. Uh, Craig, you're the man. Appreciate it as always, brother. We'll talk a couple more times before the draft, so we'll start to get into uh, some prospects and things like that as uh, we talk a couple of more times. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it as always, brother. Hey, thank you. And hey, Josh, love you, brother. Craig, thank you. Uh, you, can, you can still text me even after this. We don't have the just text don't about uh, getting booked on the show. That's weird. Don't do it's it. It's weird, actually. My phone just gave me a notification that Craig just blocked my blocked number. number. I don't even know I could do that. Yeah, right? no. Well, if you block somebody's number, do they know? Oh, whoops. I didn't know they got a notification. Oh, my right? phone's blowing up. No one's sending <laughs> it's me. It's out of... Uh, I'll uh, call Apple or whatever. I'll figure it out, Craig. It's Thanks. definitely not on your end, Craig. <laughs> it's definitely not on your end. See you, buddy. Uh, love you, man. See ya. All right, there's uh, Craig Stout, kcsn.substack.com. Again, there's a whole lot more to the uh, piece that he uh, put out there this morning about uh, Legereus Need and looking at the historical, um, the reference point to some of these previous cornerbacks that have been traded for specific pick for pick. He's included all of them, including players for picks and things like that, but uh, players for other players and picks included, if that makes sense. But cornerbacks being traded and got draft picks back, what that looked like. Um, so what interesting stuff there from Craig Stout. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue rolling more zone right after this. Thank you to Craig Stout, kcsn.substack.com, the KC Laboratory Podcast, joining us, talking some uh, issues football. It's a good point about the Dave Merritt thing. You know, if Dave Merritt leaves, it makes it even more imperative that you would like Legereus Need to return. If Dave Merritt is simply, and, and I do wonder this too, if Dave Merritt is starting the process of going through the interviews to be a defensive coordinator with his eyes on the future to be a defensive coordinator? Or, you know what, I mean, the defensive coordinator job wasn't being offered to him, and he wasn't interviewing for it when he was asked about it during the season. And, well, I mean, I I, want to say, I'm not looking to to leave. My kids are in high school. Okay, well, now you can be the defensive coordinator of San Francisco 49ers. Fantastic defense. Fred Warner's out there. You're familiar with Charvarius Ward. Um, Ufunga was injured last year, so you got him coming back. You got uh, one of the Bosa's, you know, the better one, 
of the Boses, you know. Seems to be a little bit of minus Steve Wilkes, unfortunately, but a bit of a fast track to a head coaching position as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Uh, being around, it's the is Shanahan the new McVay, where the, the McVay touch uh, was uh, getting people jobs and the uh, Shanahan touch getting people jobs as well. Um, Andy Reid touch not working nearly as much. Apparently as, not, no. As, as some others. But, I mean, it did for a couple of uh, coordinators, but yeah. not a whole lot. But um, I do wonder, like, what the mindset is of Dave Merritt, because if he's if he goes in, maybe he's starting the process of interviewing, and then he goes in interviews, and it's like, actually, this is, honey, mm. kids, this is what I want to do. Um, and while you're in high school, I'm going to have to commute. Or we're moving to San Francisco. You know, and there there are good football programs there, Dawson, you know, um, and et cetera. And guess what? Teams across the country already know your name. Yep. And they're going to know you wherever you go. But he also might want to see it through for one more year uh, with his uh, high school teammates as a senior. Who knows what's going on? It's the family part that we don't really talk a whole lot about. And that's the main thing Dave Merritt talked about when he was asked about this. Exactly. We, we wouldn't even know any of that if yeah. he didn't kind of offer it as, well, here, this is where my head's at and where I'm yeah. at right now. And, and certainly, listen, I wouldn't blame him one bit. If he got offered this job and he said, yikes, sure. guys, it was in front of me there and I, I, I didn't realize that was going to be an opportunity so quick and I took it. The other thing is the Niners have interviewed several other candidates. It seemed like Brandon Staley was probably in line for that job. If the Niners are interviewing Dave Merritt to interview all of their candidates, their best candidates, and get as many as much information as they can. It makes sense from their standpoint. The two things I think could make sense from Dave Merritt's perspective, even if there is a smaller chance of him getting that job, is one that you mentioned. You're doing, you're, you're getting one defensive coordinator interview under your belt here next off season. If you're going to be open for business a little bit more, you could say, "Hey, I might have five interviews this time next year, and none of them are going to be my first. You know that that's just a process you've already gotten into a little bit. The other thing is if he comes back and he says, hey, I, either if they, are, if they offer him the job and he wants it, he should take it. There's, it's, yeah. Money's not going to be the differentiating factor there probably. But if he says, hey, they seem really interested and I do want to be a defensive coordinator at some point in the future, can I get a little more money this year and maybe you make me the uh, cornerbacks slash secondaries guru <laughs> slash assistant defensive coordinator, assistant to the defensive coordinator, uh, whatever terminology you need to get a little pay bump, a little title boost, and the next year you're really set up for success if you do get that job. There are still ways for this to end well for everybody, but if they do lose Dave Merritt, it would be really, I don't want to say it would be devastating for the Chiefs' development of cornerbacks because I don't know that. Sam Madison was a big part of it. He's back out there again now. Um, And clearly, Steve Spagnuolo is a huge, huge part of it, and he's not going anywhere. They could continue being very good at developing corners, but I know that Steve Spagnuolo and Dave Merritt, as a combination, have an absolutely incredible thing there that I want them to continue doing for whoever the, the day three pick is this year who's starting in December, and I want them to continue doing that for Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. And, and yeah, if they if they lost Legarius Sneed and Dave Merritt, it, that would be a much bigger hit than losing just either one of them. Obviously. Also, this is one of the worst places he could interview because he already has a guy in house that can vouch for him in Charvarius Ward. That's yeah. going to yeah. probably be banging the table to try and get him in there. Well, and he can let Dave Merritt know that he likes it better there. <laughs> every part about <laughs> that's it. True. That's true. Much better there in San Francisco. Well, it would be nice for the for the folks in, in San Francisco to have a guy with rings, actually, in their organization. <laughs> just walks in there with clanging rings. He just, he just does his interview. Just... Click. 
the Pivot podcast where McColl was wearing both his rings. You know, he's got three now. Well, he will waiting, have three, but he's got two just sitting one. there with both rings just talking. Look, if I've got those rings on, I'm talking with my hands a lot. Yes, like, absolutely. I am a big-time hand talker constantly, just hands waving up in the air like I'm wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man the whole and time. Just arms and Palms the- always facing yourself. You're never, <laughs> you're never pointing or you're, it's always back of the hands going out. Yeah, these I mean, it's uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, yeah, I don't even know. Right. I'm sitting here in a chair. Typically, I would know what to do with my hands, but they're floating with these. Are, are these rings, are they filled with air? Because they're That's floating. Just, you do know, they need to burp so I, I don't get hit by the fan? You could probably actually, like, several, I was going to say two birds, one stone. It's really two birds and, like, hundreds of stones yeah, because of stones the, the there, stones man. on the rings. Yeah. Just just be, like, just kind of do dumbbell curls, basically, but you're just doing them with your rings. I don't That's extra weight. That's heavier, and you're showing them off. One up, one down, one up, one down. I don't think you need to call him that. I think I like, just don't think you should admit to tampering. You know, if that that just seems like a silly doesn't thing make to him do. a dumbbell. It means he's feeling himself a little bit. I love Nicole you Harmon. Know? That's all right. We gotta be a little bit of a dumbbell sometimes. The guy went from uh, fumbling through the end zone uh, against the Bills to then being in the celebrity NBA All Star basketball game. That was game. so funny. We have to be able to talk about how funny that was. Late night shows. And the lone guest on an hour-long pivot. (laughs) He was like the sixth receiver on the Jets in week two. (laughs) And he's Mr. Walkoff in the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game. So good. Uh, Let's hear from uh, McCole Hardman. I don't think he's a dumbbell. I don't either. Jason's twisting my words. (laughs) You said dumbbell. I quit. All right. <laughs> Not for another two and a half hours. Two, and a, two hours and 20 minutes from two now, I quit. And 20 minutes. Um, I'll do podcasts and stuff after the show. Don't, don't worry about it. What if you really did just walk out? Just Sorry, two, Dylan. just poof. Well, you're doing it to me, so might as well do it to Dylan. I right, listen. I'm leaving everybody in the lurch. <laughs> it's like I said on Monday. If the show's a little worse after I leave, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Not a lot worse, just like 2%. Oh, I thought you meant the show's a little worse after you leave than when you got here. Uh, that's definitely true. No, that's not up for argument. That's not up for argument at all. You just want to be there and make it better than what it was when you found it. Yeah. You know, leave only footprints, take only memories, maybe leave some trash and take the good stuff. I'm taking all the good audio. What about those uh, one pair, of, one set of footprints? Well, that's when I carried you, Josh. Uh, I'm, and that's when Jason carried me and I'm taking the Eddie Mangan audio, actually. All of the sod father clips are coming with me. Uh, here's McCole Hardman. He was asked about the uh, the Jets issues what was going on there in New York of uh, what made them so bad? What went wrong there? Y'all treat certain guys that shouldn't be treated like they should be treated. And I just feel like it's not an established coaching staff there as well. Like, you just got a new coaching staff that came in. There's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do. And defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a standard. But the offense is just like, all right, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron show. Let Aaron do what Aaron do, you know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like, we don't know what to do. But this is that same coach that just was out of a job the previous year and then get a new job. No, for a fact, I'm better than him for sure. Like, I ain't trying to, you know, I know I'm better than him. I'm better than him too. Garrett Wilson, the only person y'all should just be like, hey. So I have no problem with y'all putting it around Garrett Wilson for sure. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's fine. But when you come to certain other things, it's like, come on, like, I don't understand why I'm not in the rotation with that. And y'all never gave me a reason as to why either. This is my thing was. Y'all can't tell me about winning. I've been to four Super Bowls in five years. You know what I'm saying? Now, you feel me? But beforehand, I told, I've been to four AFC championships. I've been to three Super Bowls. I've won two of them. Like, I know what winning looks like. Right. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things. It's like I'm not going for that. 
Like, because y'all not doing it right. Like, we got hammers on the ground. We don't got no discipline. People feel like it's too many individual egos in this locker room or whatever. And I'm telling them, like, that's not going to get y'all to win. It's not going to happen. So a couple things there. Um, when he signed with the Jets, then they bring in after that Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb to appease Aaron Rodgers. So when he's sitting there going, he's not better than me, he's not better than me, he's not better than me, I don't necessarily disagree with Alan Lazard and, and Randall Cobb at their age. Mm-hmm. Um, Lazard, I would think, is better than McCole Hardman, but Randall Cobb at his age, uh, it's debatable. They're sort of six in one hand, half dozen the other, right? I mean, it's you're, you're, Garrett Wilson isn't arguing with somebody there. All right, It's a different level, like he said. But when he talked about like the standard of things, I mean, he did mention, like, well, that offensive staff, I mean, they were at a job. And then they get in there, and uh, there's uh, the, the defense is stabilized. They've got a standard to everything. One of the things that stood out to me, which was a random inclusion that I'd have to imagine was is a bigger deal to NFL players than just, like he was talking about, we got helmets on the ground. Like, you mentioned that. Like, that's a detail thing, right? Mm-hmm. If people have just random helmets laying on the ground and you're running drills or you're running a, an offensive play and somebody's got their helmet on the ground and you step on it and you injure yourself, like something like that detail-oriented, that his four years in Kansas City was like, nobody had a helmet on the you You better not put your helmet on the ground. Somebody can get injured. But in New York, there's helmets on the ground. There's all this other stuff going on. It's just like there are no there's no attention to detail. That stood out to me. Because that's sort of like the standard is, as they say in Pittsburgh, the standard is the standard, right? In Kansas City, the standard is this. And it builds off itself because now a rookie gets there and sees, I'm going to put my, oh, I'm not putting my helmet. Nobody has their helmet on the ground. There are no helmets on the ground. Okay, why aren't there helmets on the ground? Because that small detail can injure somebody, and that's not happening here. But in New York, it was sort of just like, sort of, paints the picture of like a cluster of like there's no discipline and there's no uh, structure to what was going on offensively there. And Justin Tucker plays for the Ravens. <laughs> I'm talking about helmets on the ground in places they shouldn't be. Um, it's it's such a good point because if you are the rookie that shows up and you realize that's what's just unspoken perhaps, Yeah. if you are the guy that puts your helmet on the ground and in training camp 89 other guys have their helmets on or in their hands – you might go, oh, well, I'm the bleep hole here. Like, I am the outlier. I should pick this up because also it is a championship standard. I mean, Mm -hmm. not that Nathaniel Hackett couldn't win over his own another coaching staff or another group of players, but if you come to Kansas City and you're talking about championship successful standards and you are looking around saying, this guy's out of a job. Like, this guy had an embarrassing year last year, and now he's telling me, like, he's trying to set that culture. That, That absolutely is an alarm bell. The biggest thing from that for me is is earlier in the clip where I would dare any Jets media or Jets fan or Jets player or Jets front office member to refute the idea that the plan was let Aaron do his thing. <laughs> and then when Aaron goes down four snaps into the season, I'm not saying you needed to have a plan for your starting quarterback's Achilles to pop four snaps into the year, but you need to have something that's not just run what Aaron wants to run. This is Aaron's show where he's the GM, the head coach, and the savior in addition to being the quarterback. That that was evident at the time. Again, freaking Randall Cobb <laughs> was like a, a, a mandatory piece of, of that vision, and the Jets have been in such a quarterback purgatory for so long that they were willing to, to kowtow to Aaron Rodgers. And again, I understand why they traded for him. I, I understand that that made sense for them at the time. 
you've just got to have something resembling an NFL structure there when consider the messenger. McCole Hardman is not some stuffy 10-year vet who hates how these kids these days behave in the football field. He remembers two-a-days. Man, McCole Hardman's a, a fun-loving, still young NFL player who who went through a rookie contract here, played at Georgia, of course. So like, there's, an, there's a collegiate standard in terms of what he's been around. But McCole Hardman's no stick in the mud, and he's looking around like, man, you guys are sloppy yeah. with some of this stuff. And McCole Hardman's reputation is fun-loving, high-flying kind of goofball. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I can't be on Pat ass all day. Right, like, he's, right. He's the guy not doing the extra work, <laughs> right. right? And then he's going there. It's like, what the hell are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, you guys are telling me how to do these different things. Like, I've been on a winner for a while. Isn't that why you brought me in? And my point there is that I think a lot of that for McCole Hardman is, is a little bit unfair reputationally, and it's in the context of who you're comparing him to yeah. here. Yeah. That Travis Kelsey was a head case out of college, right? Like, the, think about everything that went into the Travis Kelsey evolution and now where he is as a person. I just, it, it, the Jets seemed like exactly as big a mess as what they looked like from the outside last year. And I kind of love that McCole Hardman's been like the main character of this week. Something that has got a lot of people talking is McCole Hardman and whether there was tampering that went with the trade of McCole Hardman back to the Chiefs. This is a very quick little passing comment from McCole Hardman that's probably got the most attention. Uh, here's uh, McCole Hardman with um, his situation in New York before being traded to the Chiefs. I'm, I'm telling you right I'm, I was so checked out. Like, it's over. I already talked to Visa, Pat. Like, hey, bro, come get me, bro. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we talking about? Like, man, come get me. Like. And they did. They went and got him. Um... So that has sparked a lot of conversation about tampering if the Chiefs were in contact with McCole Hardman uh, before they traded for him because you can't have contact there. Now, there are different forms of communication. McCole Hardman can reach out to Brett Veach and say, come get me, and text him, and Brett Veach can ignore the text Mm -hmm. um, because those are the rules. He could call Brett Veach and say, hey, come get me, and Brett Veach can go, I'm not supposed to talk to you, man. Mm We'll get you. But I'm not – I can't talk to you. Hang up, right? Um, there'll probably be an investigation. I'm not sure how deep it will go. Um, I know if uh, the Chiefs ended up trading somebody that had been checked out for a couple of weeks before they traded him, and then all of a sudden he's traded back to his old team and said – you know, I talked to their GM and said, hey, man, come get me. Um, you know – They ought to investigate that, for honestly. Sure. If come get me was, hey, we're talking to the Chiefs about trading you, Brett, come get me, man. Right. Trade for me, dude. I'm, I'm out. I'm checked out here. Um, it's really interesting that the conversation went from those things to then, oh, by the way, he was leaking game plans. Like, I know, like he may have, he may have been involved with tampering with the Brett Veach, but what about the game plans being leaked by McCole Hardman? That's, that's the big deal with this, which is weird that you would tell everybody that this former player was leaking game plans only after he came out and was like, yeah, your guy's structure and and, uh, uh, discipline is terrible. Oh, yeah, well, you gave game plans away. Well, he hasn't been on your team for a while. And also the Jets offensively had maybe the best performance against the Chiefs' defense of the year, probably yeah. ultimately second behind the Packers, but certainly the best at that point in the season. Was that Zach Wilson's best performance I against so. the Chiefs? Yeah, the other one was the Eagles game, too, that they won. They beat the Eagles with Zach Wilson in that game. I forgot playing. that they won that game. Yeah. Yep. 
they beat the Eagles and then had a really good offensive showing against a great Chiefs defense. That's kind of strange. Nathaniel Hackett is such a bad OC that he has the <laughs> players convinced that they're leaking his plays. But in reality, he's just terrible. Or The only way they can know that we're doing this is if somebody gave them the game plan. Exactly. Or or he just he's been doing this for a long time, Dylan. Nathaniel Hackett was doing this in Denver also. Hey, leak the game plans, and then when, when you leak out my terrible game plans, we'll use the real ones. But McCole Hardman was the first guy to bite, and then they got to use the real plays against the Chiefs and the Eagles. Wasn't it uh, Texas, Oklahoma, where Mike Leach um, set up an entire yeah. game plan that was fake? The fake playbook and, like, or whatever, first, yeah. First 20, first 25 uh-huh. plays, entire thing, and then they made plays built off those formations that they had given them. God, but they had left out there, and then they just toasted them. Just toasted them because they thought that was going to be the, the Wakey Leaks. Wake Forest actually had a member of their broadcasting team give out the playbook to other teams. He ended up getting fired. Yeah, that makes but sense. But you know, it was called Wakey Leaks. That's so good. And the big one that happened was when they were playing Louisville, one of his best friends was the Louisville offensive coordinator. And it's different when it's like, Oh, well, the Jets that gave out the game plan. What, your first 15? Mm Because everything else you're doing is on film. Mm -hmm. Everything else you're doing is on film. Mm -hmm. But they had specific plays they hadn't run yet. They had trick plays that the formation got there and a check, and then Louisville checked into something to stop like a double reverse pass. Like they knew it was coming. Mm. They got a sack. And it was like, you know, the I can't remember who the uh, uh, Dave something that was the head coach of Wake Forest after the game. He was like, I mean, they knew exactly what we were doing on on that thing. Like, he he suspected something was up during the game. Like, how do they know we're doing this? All right, how do they know we're doing that? We've never put this on film, and they checked right into something mm-hmm. to stop that. That's a little different than, well, he released our game plan. Like, what's, what's the game plan? Because your best games were against the Eagles. Your best game against the Eagles and Zach Wilson's best performance against the Chiefs. You should re- leak and release more game plans. Should do it every week. It's a tradition. You got a friend over there, and also why? Like frustrated by his lack of usage, he just started giving the game plan to other teams. That's random for a guy who's on a one-year deal. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. Maybe he did. I'm not defending him and saying that he didn't do it. Maybe he did. It just seems random that he would do that. Those would be their best games, and then that wouldn't come out until. He came out and talked about how bad the Jets were, and it would be two people, Sauce Gardner and then reserve tight end Brent Yaboy. Is this Kenny, your boy? Kenny, your Kenny, boy. Kenny, your boy, Kenny. Your boy, Kenny. Your boy, Kenny. And your boy, Sauce. Kenny, your boy, and uh, Sauce Gardner. I don't know. But they should pick up their helmets. <laughs> they should also have better game plans. Better practices. We're just better coaches. <laughs> All right, wrapping up this hour, we'll talk with Ryan Tracy coming up. Top of the noon hour. Get his thoughts on some Chiefs football and the draft. Draft season, baby. Combine going on. Interviews going on. Mock drafts. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. Ryan Tracy comes up at noon. We'll play some sports or leisure in the 1 o'clock hour before we are done say it has a lot to do with the number 29 oh, okay yep. a lot to do with number 20 you know why josh um because that's how old i am that's right thank you because you are 29 years old today well just i mean yes about 365 days actually i'll be 29 <laughs> about three months into it now oh so i am 29 today i've been 29 since late december you'll be 29 tomorrow too you that's were 29 right. yesterday too